We are going to be in uh, Psalm 23 today. If you have Bibles, you can go ahead and make your way there. Page 458 uh, is where that's at if you're using one of those uh, black hardcover Bibles. Psalm 23 is, um, is a great example of how Scripture is really this, this unending, this, this kind of iceberg of, of unending depth. So even as a, as a young child, we can grasp and appreciate the imagery of Psalm 23, right? It's concrete, it's tactile. God is our shepherd uh, and we are his sheep. It doesn't require an advanced education or decades of life in order to follow along with that, that picture. But there's really this ever-expanding depth of appreciation. Uh, the more that we age, the more that we suffer, the more that we experience exhaustion and discontentment and fear, the more there is to appreciate in the 23rd Psalm. We're invited back over and over again into a childlike faith, a childlike trust in this God who loves us and cares for us as a shepherd does his sheep. So if some of you grew up in the church, maybe you're like me. I grew up on Psalm 23. Uh, I memorized it when I was young. But it had been, until preparing for this sermon, it had been a long time, years, since I'd really been back uh, in this text with at least the opportunity to really just sit quietly and reflectively and prayerfully and really just be saturated in God's word. So it's been a real gift for me to be, um, to be back in Psalm 23 these past couple weeks. Um, it, has, it is really, what I've experienced in this, it has stirred a delight for God and a delight for God's word in me that I wish was constant uh, and I wish was always there, but I'm grateful when I do experience it. And, and my hope for you is in these few moments we have together that, that God would do the same for you. So I'm going to invite you now to listen with open ears to this book that we love, 23rd Psalm. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness, for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is God's word. Let me pray for us. Lord God, help us to know your ways. Teach us your paths. As our shepherd, lead us in your truth and teach us. For you are the God of our salvation. And for you, we wait all day long. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, with the rest of our time, we're going to walk through this psalm and seek to really appreciate more what it means that God is our shepherd. And just these opening few words of this psalm bring together these aspects of God's nature and character in an incredible way. Pastor John said last week, you heard PJ remind us of it this morning, that whenever we see LORD, L-O-R-D, in all caps, that's the proper personal name of God. That's the, the name Yahweh, or I am. I am that I am. It's this name that means that God is eternal. He's self-existent. He is in no way dependent on all that he has created. But it's that God, David says here in the opening line of this, it's that God, Yahweh, who is my shepherd, who is near to us, who loves us and cares for us. And even more than that, it's really, really personal. Right? In other texts in the Bible, 
Uh, God is described as the shepherd of all Israel, right? He has a flock. We said that together in our call to worship this morning, that we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. But it's not like the people of God are this kind of amorphous, impersonal kind of blob of people. God is the shepherd of all Israel as he shepherds each individual man, woman, and child. And David's really rejoicing at the beginning of the psalm in the, the wonder of that, that, that God, I am, Yahweh is my shepherd. He tends to me and he cares for me. In the West, uh, we like to hyper-individualize pretty much everything, uh, including the church, including Christianity, and so at Liberty, we've made a really intentional effort over these last five years to talk a lot about the communal nature of the Christian life, that we're not saved by God as isolated islands, but we're really saved into a community. We're saved into a, into a people. But don't let that, as we pursue kind of that, that cultural corrective, don't let that ever downplay the personal attentiveness of God to you as a person, as an individual, and to me, to each one of his his sheep. If we're honest, a lot of us struggle with these kinds of descriptions of God. Uh, we've become maybe more comfortable with, with viewing God as our king, uh, God as our ruler, God as our judge, and he is, of course, all of those things. But he's also the God who personally and carefully tends to the needs and the desires of his people. So a question for you this morning do you struggle to embrace God as your shepherd? Do you struggle to believe that he cares for you and tends for you in that really personal, intimate way? I think to the degree that we struggle with that, we'll also struggle to experience the kinds of gifts and benefits that it is to be shepherded by God, the kinds of things that David describes then in the rest of Psalm 23. The other side now of that, of that same coin, embracing God as our shepherd, is that we must also embrace our own sheepness, to, to kind of invent a word for it, sheepness. You heard during uh, the children's teaching time just a couple minutes ago, it's not a flattering picture that the Bible paints when it calls each of us sheep. Uh, the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 53 that each of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We've each turned uh, to our own way. But there's a really big difference between sheep who embrace their sheepness and in turn look to be shepherded, and sheep who refuse to embrace their sheepness and try to continue living under their own guidance, under their own direction. So stepping through this psalm, let's consider the difference that it really makes that God, that Yahweh is my shepherd. For one, without God as my shepherd, I will experience endless want and discontentment. Endless want and discontentment. We will incessantly and unquenchably look for something to bring satisfaction and joy. And this kind of want, as is the word that David uses to, to describe it, it's really one of those places that, that our sheepness is most evident. So if you or I to, outside of the descriptions of the Bible, and what the Bible talks about when it talks about sheep, if we were to call someone in our day a sheep, what would that mean? They're mindless Right? They just follow along with the crowd. They don't really think critically through anything. It often makes me think of marketing campaigns or political campaigns, anything where there's uh, some message that's trying to move a, a group of people to some kind of action or decision. Well, what is it that, that marketing campaigns and political campaigns often exploit in you and me? Discontentment. 
discontentment. We're not satisfied. We want something different and better, and it's offered to us through a marketing campaign, through a political campaign, and we hook into it, and we say, that's the thing that's going to make me content. So just to make it personal for you, what's the last decision that you have made that was fueled by discontentment? Could have been this morning. Could have been this week. Almost certainly you made some decision in the last month that was fueled primarily by discontentment. Uh, Maybe you bought something. Maybe you changed jobs or started a a side job to make more money. Maybe you started a new hobby uh, or began a diet or an exercise plan of some kind. Uh, Maybe relationally you're, you're pursuing a new relationship or friendship. Or on the other side, maybe you're shutting down or shutting out an existing friendship or relationship. All of these decisions in and of themselves, there's there's nothing wrong with that. But if they are fueled by discontentment, then when inevitably they don't fulfill us in the way that that we hope they will, it will just compound our discontentment. It'll just keep compounding our discontentment. We'll become even more discontented that we couldn't solve our discontentment by whatever pursuit it is. And it's embracing God as my shepherd that breaks this futile cycle and spiral. Because rather than now giving ourselves over to our discontentment and just being shepherded by that, we're giving ourselves over to God's care. Rather than being led by discontentment, we're led by God himself. And think about this. If, if we were to fully entrust ourselves to God's care, we would never experience want in this life. And I don't mean that in the sense to say that we would have every material need and every material desire fulfilled, but we would be satisfied simply in the fact that we belong to God and he loves us and cares for us. We would have the disposition that we see the Apostle Paul have in Philippians 4, where he says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm hungry or well-fed, whether things are abounding for me and going great or whether they're going terribly. He's learned the secret of contentment and all of that, and it's being in relationship with God. Now, we won't perfectly attain to that kind of wholehearted trust in God this side of heaven. We're still going to have these longings and desires. Discontentment is still going to try to shape and fuel our, our actions and our decisions. But like Paul, we can really entrust ourselves to God. We can have a genuine experience of real soul-level contentment in this life to the degree that we embrace God as our shepherd. Second, without God as our shepherd, we exhaust ourselves. We exhaust ourselves. Let me share the beginning of an article that I recently read from Church Leaders Magazine. Because if you're a pastor, you get to read fun publications like Church Leaders Magazine. In, uh, in 1967, uh, experts on time management delivered a report to the U.S. Senate. So 1967, so 50 years ago. These experts believe that the speed of technology, satellites, and robotics would present a big problem for the American workplace in the years to come. The problem? People would have too much free time. Here's what they concluded. By 1985, people might have to choose between working 22 hours a week, 27 weeks a year, or retiring at 38. Like many of you have retired at 38, I'm sure. And the author of the article goes on to say, hey, good call, experts. If I had a time machine, I'd go back and I'd fire all of you. (laughs) So, So you and I are part of a society that is more efficient and more productive than human beings have ever been. 
But all that efficiency and productivity has not led to more rest and more renewal. All the technological advancements that we have in our lives, that you have probably in the palm of your hand right now, are not leading to more rest and renewal. It's actually just made us more and more exhausted. And that's because we are sheep. We are sheep. And, and though your boss, though technology, though life hacks can all be incredibly helpful, can be good things, they are cruel and exacting when they are our shepherds. James Rebanks is a shepherd, that's his profession, his vocation, in the Lake District of England. And a couple years ago, he wrote a book that became a New York Times bestseller. It's called The Shepherd's Life, Modern Dispatches from an Ancient Landscape. And early on in the book, he talks about how in the profession of shepherding, you can't keep creating more and more efficiency without creating massively detrimental effects. And he says, particularly in the Lake District, where he has shepherded and lived for many years, it's a rugged setting where it's not even possible to use the most modern and advanced and efficient techniques in shepherding. So he says that their methods there are so ancient that a Viking man could show up today and would know intuitively and instinctively what they are doing and the kind of patterns they have to their shepherding rhythms during the farming year. A critical part of those methods is rest. Right? Sheep need rest, and no efficiency or productivity or techno technological advancement in our society can change that. And that's the, that's the same thing that, that you and I find ourselves needing and longing for and coming up empty with in this fast-paced fast -paced and efficiency-driven society. But it's exactly what God, our shepherd, offers us. It's what David is celebrating here. The ancient methods, think about it this way, the ancient methods of God, my shepherd, is not an endless flurry of activity. It's rest. The ancient methods of God himself modeled on his own rest after he created the earth in six days and rested on the seventh. It doesn't get more ancient than that when it comes to methods. It's something in the fabric of who we are created by God that requires that kind of rhythm and rest in our lives. And so functionally and practically, one of the biggest ways that we reject our sheepness that we reject God as our shepherd is to work seven days a week. It's one of the most practical, functional ways we reject that. To not take a Sabbath rest and to instead just to keep grinding it out, to take on more, to shoulder more burdens and more responsibilities in the name of efficiency, in the name of productivity. And I confess to you, church, this is, this is a personal uh, this is an area of personal significance for me. I confess that I do not set a good example in this area. As a pastor, I want to be one who, who is worthy of emulation, who I can, could say with integrity, uh, follow me as I follow Christ. I can't say that about this aspect uh, of my life at this point. And I hope to be able to, to say that someday, to continue to grow in this. For me, uh, I have some deep-seated, unhealthy issues that fuel some of that, like a, a fear of failure, uh, a fear of ever appearing incompetent or ever appearing like I'm lazy in any way. So I just, I just work harder as the solution and answer to, to those kinds of things. But ultimately, the reason that I don't rest the way that I'm invited to, that I don't rest the way that I'm actually commanded to in other parts of Scripture, is, is because of a functional disbelief in God and my own nature as a sheep. To really embrace that I'm a sheep, to really embrace that there's a God who's my shepherd who loves me and cares for me means being led by God into rest, means laying down in these green pastures and drinking from these cool and quiet 
waters and having my soul restored. Right? Where, where you and I exhaust ourselves, left to our own way, God, our shepherd, leads us into rest. Third, without God as our shepherd, we choose our own destructive way. Philip Keller uh, is, was a shepherd at one point in his life. He became a pastor uh, later, and he wrote a reflection on Psalm 23. And in that, in that reflection, he says this, Sheep are notorious creatures of habit. If left to themselves, they will follow the same trails until they become ruts. They will graze the same hills until they turn to desert wastes. They will pollute their own ground until it is corrupt with disease and parasites. And I'm sure that Isaiah had something like that in mind when he wrote that famous line in Isaiah 53. As sheep, we choose our own way. And when we look to some other kind of shepherd or when we pretend that we don't need a shepherd and then functionally just trust ourselves more than anything else, our patterns are self-destructive. They're self-sabotaging. They're detrimental not only to ourselves but to the, the people and the places around us. And instead, what David is saying here in this psalm, we need to be led in paths of righteousness. We need to be led into this way of life that actually brings flourishing and thriving. Not only for, for us, but also for those around us. Later on in the book, Keller says this. He says, sheep can, under mismanagement, be the most destructive livestock. In short order, they can ruin and ravage land almost beyond remedy. But in bold contrast, they can, on the other hand, be the most beneficial of all livestock if properly tended. And he goes on to describe that, and he says, in, in ancient literature, sheep were sometimes called those of the golden hooves. Right? There might have been a day where you asked a group of children, what's your favorite animal? And sheep may have been like right at the forefront of their mind. It's not today, but it may have been that way someday. And they were called that because they had this positive impact on the land. They would eat all kinds of grass and herbs and weeds that left to themselves, if they didn't eat them, would take over and consume a field. And also... Their manure is some of the best for fertilization. So if they're tended well, their manure actually fertilizes fields in ways that few other things can. How's that for a metaphor? Like, how's that for a metaphor? As we are shepherded by God, he can take even our waste, even our filth, and he can use it for the thriving of those places that he has led us. Right, that... That's incredibly encouraging to me, not only as a pastor who is often invited into the waste and the filth, but who as a sheep himself generates his own waste and filth, right? There's always other pictures in the Bible of what it means to be a follower of Christ, and so many of them are so much more noble than this. They're so much more honorable. You're ambassadors for Christ. You're a, you're a kingdom of priests. You're a good soldier of the faith. There's something, though, that's honest and encouraging about this picture that even as a sheep, when I, to put it crassly, crap all over the place, under God's leadership, that somehow becomes fertilizer for flourishing. Sheep can be either the most destructive creatures or the most beneficial creatures. It all depends on how they are tended and led. And when we choose our own destructive paths, we shackle ourselves, we contribute to the, to the decomposition, the decay of the world but led in paths of righteousness by God our shepherd, not only do we flourish, but as we do, we restore ravaged lands to beautiful pastures. We contribute to the flourishing of everything around us. So this is the difference that it makes to embrace God as my shepherd. 
right? His care is the source of our contentment. It's the source of our rest. It's the source of our flourishing. It's also the source, it's also the remedy to our fear. And that's where the psalmist goes in the second half of the psalm, and we'll just go really quickly through it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me, right? The presence of God is the antidote to fear. We will go through this valley. There's not a way around that. We often think in the Christian life that we can somehow, now that we're shepherded by God, we'll go around the hard stuff. We'll go around the suffering. We'll go around those places of pain and and wounds. There's no way around, though. We go right through it. And death is this place, as one scholar puts it, where most other guides turn back. Maybe good shepherds, decent shepherds, would lead us to this place through hard things, but, but at the point of death is where most other guides turn back. But what David is saying here is not God. Not the God who is my shepherd. He is with me all the way through the valley of the shadow of death. And it looks forward to this day where a thousand years later, God would demonstrate just how true that is. In the Gospel of John, there are these seven famous I am sayings of Jesus. And they establish that Jesus is not just a full human being, a fully man, which he is, but he is also fully God in the flesh. He is Yahweh, I am, in the flesh. And so it's no mistake at all that one of those seven I am statements is Jesus says in John 10, I am the good shepherd. Because he's the fulfillment and the embodiment of the kind of shepherd that God is to David and the kind of shepherd that David writes about in this psalm. we, We long for quiet waters. Jesus, the good shepherd, is the one who offers living waters to all who thirst. We long for rest in green pastures. Jesus, the good shepherd, is our true rest. In Hebrews, we read that that when believing in him, we enter into God's rest. We long for safety and security in the face of danger. And Jesus, the good shepherd, keeps us. He goes on to say after he says, I am the good shepherd in John 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. But even more, Jesus, the good shepherd, went into the darkest valley. And not just through the shadow of death, but through the sting of death, the substance, the suffering and the humiliation of death. He laid down his own life for the sheep. And just as any good shepherd would do, he would only take his flock where he was willing to go on ahead. He went before you and I into death that he might lead us through death and into his own resurrected life on the other side. That's why we sing great hymns on Easter Sunday like Charles Wesley's, Soar we now where Christ has led, following our exalted head. Because Jesus is is our good shepherd, because he's with us, he entered into human flesh, he entered into death, he entered into resurrection, he sent his spirit to be ever present with us. We need not fear death. We need not fear these darkest valleys of our lives. So where do you find fear in your own heart this morning? Where do you find fear in your heart? And what would it look like to embrace God as your shepherd and to truly know that he has gone through that that before you and that he is present with you in the midst of that? As David concludes this psalm in verses five and six, the picture changes some, but this sense of protection and security remains. 
God, our shepherd, is leading us. He's guiding us. He's using his rod and his staff there. That's our comfort. Where is he leading us? He's leading us to his own table. He's leading us into his own house. So God is not only my shepherd, he is my host. And he's preparing this table of blessing in the midst of surrounding danger. He's welcoming me into his house, and he's providing this place where no one or nothing can hinder me from enjoying the welcome of his presence and of his care. And that's why David can conclude the way he does and say, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Because goodness and, and mercy, and mercy, that, that original word in the Hebrew language, steadfast covenant love, right, that's not the result of a, of a transaction with God. We don't get goodness and mercy from God because we earn it, because we perform well as sheep. That's the very nature and character of God to be good and to be merciful to his people. It's that covenant that God makes with his people that even when we don't earn it or deserve it, he is good and merciful toward us. And that's why his shepherding means contentment. And that's why it means rest. And that's why it means the path to flourishing. Not only for a moment or two in this life, but really forever. So I said to our kids this morning that sheep always need a shepherd. Right? Always. It's not just at this young age. It's not just, it's not just the lambs that need a shepherd. The oldest sheep need a shepherd. Even in the perfection of eternity, Right? When we no longer have a sin nature, and when we no longer have a body that's plagued by death and disease, we will still be sheep. And I want to leave you with that picture from Revelation chapter 7. Listen to how John describes eternity in God's house. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And so for you who are discontent, and for you who are exhausted, for you whose patterns and habits are leading to decay and destruction instead of flourishing, Look to God, your shepherd. Look to Jesus, the the good shepherd, the one who bore all of our iniquities when we went our own way, the one who passed through the valley of death that we might follow him through death and into life, the one who prepared a table of his own body and blood where we are not only safe and secure in the presence of our enemies, but we are blessed with the abundance of oil, the abundance of wine. Take heart that in Christ you are kept as his sheep and that whether or not it feels like goodness and mercy, truly goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life because there is nothing that can pluck you out of the hand of God, your shepherd. Embrace your need to be shepherded by God. Lean into that and as you lean into that, embrace God, your shepherd himself. As Augustine said, the the great I am, Yahweh, is nearer to us than we are to ourselves. Nurturing us, caring for us, protecting us, comforting us, and hosting us. And truly, no one is as blessed as the one who can say with confidence, God is my shepherd. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. God, we...
need you to shepherd us. And we admit that as sheep, the ways that we go about life are not leading to health and wholeness. The ways that we go about life are not leading to rest and contentment. They're leading to to more discontentment. They're leading to more exhaustion. They're leading to self-destructive, self-sabotaging kinds of patterns in our lives. So more than ever in our society, in our fast-paced, efficient lives, help us to see our need for you as our shepherd. Help us to believe that, God, you are that kind of God, personally attentive, caring for our needs, nearer to us than we are to ourselves. God, would you, as we come to this table, may it be a foretaste of the meal that you have prepared for us in heaven and are preparing for us in heaven, that we will always be your sheep, that you will always lead us and shepherd us into your house and to your table where we are safe in your presence. We pray this in your name, Jesus.